0: Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and uh, I want to say thank you to the church for your faithfulness over this past year, and we've had a a tremendous year, we've had a a great year of, of growth as a church, and I wanted to say thank you for your part in that. And then also thank you to those who worked so diligently. Last Sunday evening, we had a, a great carols event. Lots of, lots of new families came along. And I noticed that, that families who had, uh, many families who had come along, they had come with, uh, prepared, they had come with their matching t-shirts, matching pajamas, some of them. And um, it seemed like a, an event they, they were, had planned for and looked forward to, and actually uh, our, our state a member, uh, Mr. Tim Mander, had commented just how, how much of a blessing it was to him uh, over the last couple of years being here. He just encouraged us to just continue singing the, singing the carols. And, you know, often a carols event in, nowadays doesn't mean that you're going to have carols being sung. And he mentioned that as a point of difference for us as a church and and really appreciated that. And, and then also even our, our local councillor, um, Mrs. Cath- Tonks, who came along, it was her first time coming, and she really and thoroughly enjoyed it. And so I hope that, uh, that uh, that's an encouragement to you, those of you who put in the effort uh, over the course of the coming, the, the last couple of weeks, but certainly this past week, uh, it's been a blessing and, and just a, a really joyful occasion there. And I believe that it was a good witness for our Lord that evening. Um, just to again mention the, this pulpit here, you know, it's not just brand new, it's also a, a bit of a part of our history as a church. Um, our first ever piano as a church was just sort of stocked away over at the print shop and we didn't really know what to do about it and so I, I had said to, to, um, to Phil, I said, hey, you know, we've got that old piano, what can we do with it? And we were looking at getting a pulpit and so he used a bit of that old piano, so our first ever piano as a church, to, as part of this. And so if you come up here and you're welcome to in a little while, um, you can come up, and you can still see the maker's name on the on the underside of this. And I just love the fact that there's a bit of that church history as part of our new pulpit. And to me, it's just a great, a, a, to me a great picture, a little bit of the fact that you know God has brought us to this place where there's there's those who have a long history in our church, but those many of us, and myself included, who have more of a recent history, and we want to go forward with that as a church. We want to make sure that you know as we Think about what lies ahead for us as, as, as a, a local assembly, as God's family, as a lighthouse here, that as God brings along uh, the, the, the future, and, and we're also very respectful of the fact that God has used so many over the course of the 45 years as a church to bring us to this point, and then further as the Lord tarries his coming. And so we, we want to rejoice in that. And so next week, I hope that you can come along and be part of it. Uh, please do check the, your, your schedules to make sure that uh, the service times are, are correct and all of that. You're not turning up when no one's here. But it's been a tremendous year, and, and I'm glad for it. And, and really, as you pass, I really, it just fills my heart with joy coming home and, and being here every Sunday. And I was thinking about just the fact that it's, it's such a blessing to belong to a church family. And it really is. That's a great gift in itself. And I hope that you never take that for granted. And I hope that you don't, um, you don't just walk away from times that we do have and, and not recognize the, the gifting that that is in our lives. And, um, you know, I hope that we would just uh, do more for the glory of the Lord as we head into 2024. And so let's turn uh, now to the Scriptures, Luke chapter 1. And we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas songs. And, uh, you know, when you think about Christmas, there's many parts of it that, you know, we often, uh, we often look forward to, no doubt. As we spoke about last week, we, we look at the lights and, and we saw even in the, the, the Christmas story, in the, in the canon of Scripture there, that recorded for us were lights and the purpose of that. And we looked at that scripturally last week. And some of that, uh, hopefully, was an encouragement to you this week to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ but then we also look forward to, and, and Lord willing, we'll look at this next week. Christmas gifts, and, and you know, for some of you, the, the tradition in your household is that it's Christmas Eve that you get to open your presents. I don't know if your parents make you wait overnight and, and wake you up really early for Christmas morning. But uh, our tradition in our home is that we don't wait; we just open it up on Christmas Eve. All right, and so uh, we have a big feast, and then we uh, we open it up Christmas Eve and. Uh, it used to be that we waited till midnight until I had my own kids, and now we don't wait till midnight, we wait till nine, all right? And so, um, so there's different traditions that we have and different things that we look forward to. But, you know, I think some of th- one of the things that becomes more and more maligned as far as Christmas is concerned is I, th- I think sometimes people just don't like to hear the Christmas songs anymore. They They don't like to hear the carols at the at the shops played, and we know that there's other Christmas songs that are more secular, and, and they don't really hearken to the, the very the substance of what Christmas is about. But when you study through the Scriptures, there's actually some Christmas songs given, given to us. And, and you know what, what music actually is and what, what's, what songs are? They're actually a representative of what's in our hearts, you know, the Bible tells us that if we're saved, that God puts a new song in our heart. And one of the things that I look forward to when, when I come back from uh, different things, I, I come home and I hear the, the singing of the birds, and the birds sing their songs. And, you know, it's sad when, when birds can't sing. They're, they're meant to be and designed that way. And yet I think sometimes there's many Christians who lose their song. Many Christians who, when it's time to sing and, and maybe it's a bit of insecurity, maybe it's a bit of fearfulness that they don't sound as good as a person in front of them or next to them or someone singing up here, and, and, and yet the Bible commands us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and that, that word noise simply means to sing with vigor. And so I want to say to you, maybe you're not the most in-tune singer, there ought to be song in your heart still anyway. Anyway. And there ought to be the, that joyfulness of the reality of that. And, and sometimes we do things in church that we think is just by, by some sort of you know, tradition or some sort of motion, some sort of time waster or time filler. But actually, the, the idea of music as part of our worship and the idea of song being sung is a biblical thing and it ought to be that when we gather around and we do have this corporate time of singing and we're purposeful about picking songs that we can sing as a congregation and not just those who can sing with great skill there ought to be something in our hearts that wants to be part of that and we get into uh, this this uh, this part of our of our christmas story and we recognize that there's songs we recognize that there's something that that comes out of these these three characters that we're going to see, that that really is a production or a fruitfulness of what the reality that they they have within. And and, and by the way, that's what makes the best songs, right? Is when there's a reality of that. And and you know, I, I don't I don't want to discount that God can continue to work in 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 some of the songwriting that we see today. But I think sometimes that's the big difference in. The songs that, that are just come out, whether they're labeled Christian or not, that there's just no substance. They're written for different reasons and maybe even commercial reasons, uh, as opposed to some of the older songs, some of the hymns that we sing that have some substance to it. And we ought to dwell on the great truths of the great hymns that we sing and some of the great choruses that are, are part and parcel of the songs of faith. And that ought to be something that we dwell upon, and that ought to come out of our hearts. And the Bible tells us that we ought to teach one another and to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And that ought to be a big part of who we are as God's people. Why? Because there's there's a there's a there's a reality of it that ought to that ought to just uh, can't help it ought to just come out of us as we emote the reality of God in our lives. And we, as, as God's people, we ought to be the ones that look most forward to singing the great songs of faith, and particularly as we think about the Christmas carols. I think about the, the great truths of Scripture, that one of the great mysteries of the Word of God was the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the virgin birth, and, and that faithful night in Bethlehem, and all of those prophecies that came about in that time, and, and, and we can't Uh, We can't deny that actually some of the deepest songs and some of the songs that we ought to most think about are actually carols. Some of the deepest doctrines and the most life-changing truths are contained in those songs. And and yet so many times we are emptied or or we're, we're not looking forward, we're not enthused, we're not passionate about those things because why? It's just another song. Hey, we've missed the point. And yet, what we find in scriptures are there's some of these particular songs that come out of these particular people, just as a result of really the Holy Ghost's work in their life. You know, we read there that uh, that Elizabeth goes to visit Mary, her cousin, and and Elizabeth now was well into her uh, her her pregnancy, and we note that Mary here is 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 really uh, really well within as well, and. Uh, we understand that that the with Mary is the Lord Jesus Christ, and notice in verse forty one, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. You know, I don't think there's anything sweeter than uh, a, an expectant mom feeling that life forming in her, and and you know that that special time. Uh, maybe some of you dads can remember when your wife for the first time felt the baby kicking, and you put your hand on that on that that pregnant belly and you felt for the first time your your child forming and kicking. You know, the reality of that. Can you imagine in, in Mary's life as, uh, as, uh, the, uh, as the, the baby Jesus, the, the, the King of Heaven was in her, we see that this baby Jesus leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, "Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me?" And so we see here that that this this salutation, in in many uh, in, in many ways in in recorded uh, for us in, uh, in 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 scriptures, this is a song firstly of benediction, and we see that Elizabeth be, being filled with the Holy Ghost, allow something to come out of her mouth. It was a benediction. It was a recognition of a blessing. And the singer was someone, really, when you think about it, who had already received her own fantastic news. She had, for a long time, desired a child, and yet, unsuccessfully, the Bible records for us that she was barren, and yet miraculously announced in her old age, in Elizabeth's life, a child was to be born, and we know that child to be John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was going to be this great prophet, a forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so you think about the blessings already in in Elizabeth's life, but the presence of one allowed her to exclaim a greater song of benediction, a blessing. And it was the presence of Jesus uh, there through Mary. And the, the, what we see here, firstly, as we recognize this, and, and one of the things that ought to be filling our hearts is really a song of benediction, is a song of blessing. Do you feel blessed this morning? Do, do you recognize why that even though there's, there's things that are perhaps not perfect in our lives and, and maybe even greater than that, there's great challenges in your own life, that there ought to be something in you that just shouts for Blessing. That you recognize in your life that there's great blessing, and, and particularly I'm speaking to those of you who've put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand firstly the blessing of promise. You know, when, when, uh, when Elizabeth came, and in verse 42, she recognized, and blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, what she was referring to was the fulfillment of a promise from the Lord, a promise of Scripture. And what we find is so often the, the prophecies of Scripture are really God's promises. It really prophecies are promises because if, 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 it's, if it's a prophecy from the Lord, it's, it's just meant to be. Right? The, it's His counsel, it, it, he, even though the, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are yet to be seen. And here in, in this particular happening in history, right in this moment, there was a recognition that the promises of God were again to be. They were going to be kept. This one in her womb, this one in Mary's womb, was going to be one that was going to be the savior of the world. And we know, again, that the Bible tells us in many, many, uh, many places in Scripture, but in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible tells us, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And right there in the womb of Mary there was a recognition from Elizabeth that the promises of God were yet in again going to be fulfilled. And so what we find is this exclamation of the song in her heart of the blessing of promise. You know, we, we often sing songs, and we often uh, maybe are familiar with tunes that sometimes it's just the tune that carries us through the week, but so often the most important things about those songs are, are the truths contained in those songs. It's the, the truth of that, the reality of that in our hearts, and, and, and we understand that as Elizabeth recognized something in Mary, this was no ordinary child. This was the the one promise that was to be the Messiah. He was to be the Savior of the world. And there was a recognition in Elizabeth that, that as she saw in Mary this blessing that it needed to be said. It needed to be admitted. And the reason for the exclamation of blessing was the truth of Jesus. You know, one of the things that we ought to greatly celebrate during this time is just the truth of our Lord. You know, don't let it grow old, the, the, the great truth that Jesus came to be born on this earth to be your, mine, and the rest of the world's Savior. You know, don't, don't let that grow old. Some of you you've, been, you, you've been saved a little while, and you need to get back to that truth. You need to get back to that, the, the, that time when you, you sought the Lord, and He came into your heart, and he saved you, and he cleansed you, and he placed you from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and it all could only happen if he came to this world, if Christmas truly happened. And so we go about and we have a song of benediction because of the promise of of the, the blessing of, the, of his promise, but also really the, the blessing of his presence. We note there secondly in verse. 43, and whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And, you know, th- these were, were cousins. I don't know about you, but you, you have cousins and, and you always get together at the same times during the year, right? Birthdays, maybe Easter, and probably Christmas. And, and, you know, if you're close to your cousins, you get excited. If you think your cousins are weird, you delay it as long as you want, Right? And if you miss out and you're sick that day, you count your blessings instead. But, but you look at that, and it's not like they, weren't unfamiliar, they, weren't for, uh, they were unfamiliar with each other. Uh, we don't know. We, we can sort of ascertain that they had some sort of closeness. They were at least familiar enough to recognize each other there. But we understand that it wasn't this blessing of, of Mary and Elizabeth getting together. It wasn't just the fact that they got together. It was the fact that Elizabeth came to visit Mary who had Jesus in her, who, who the reality of Christ was with her and, and his presence was there. You remember that, that, that life is in the womb and the, this baby Jesus wasn't just living because he was going to be born, no, He's living even in the womb. And we understand that he was right there being very God, being the Son of God. And we understand that really the part of the, that benediction that she could exclaim and sing was just the fact that there was one that was present with them. You know, one of the greatest blessings that you can be to someone else is just the fact that you have Christ in you. If you're saved here this morning, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God dwells in you. You have one. You are the presence of you have the presence of God as you walk into a room. And if you're walking with God like you should, if you're not quenching the Spirit, if you're not grieving the Spirit of God, then the Spirit of God can work in you to be a witness to this world. And you could be the difference, and there ought to be an air of, of difference about you. And whether you're, uh, you, you've are you got a, a strong personality or not, whether you're introvert, whether you're an extrovert, or in between, it really doesn't count for anything what does count in your life is just the lord jesus christ being emanated through your life you can make a difference and the thing that what what do what, what do people know about you what do they sense about you what do they what do they what do they say when you have come into a conversation and do they sense a difference? And the Bible tells us that we are to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are. And the Holy Ghost is one that, 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 uh, that God gives you to be a comforter, to, to be the one that's, that's the Spirit that guides us unto all truth. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that, that it was expedient for Him to go. Why? So that the Holy Spirit can come. And, and listen, there's too many who just go about each day and they've not dealt with things, that they've quenched the power of God in their lives and so their witness is blunted. And they come and they blow in and out and there's just no, no, no even difference. You know, how different would your workplace be this coming year if you just had that song humming in your heart of just the Spirit of God working in your life? How different would your homes be if instead of the, the, all of the latest songs swirling around in your home, if it was just a song of real benediction in your heart that just wants to exclaim the blessing of God's presence in this home. And so many times we go about our lives and, you know, we, we hum different things. And yet, what was substantive about Mary was the presence of Jesus in that place. And the Bible tells us that we ought to let, your com- let our conversation be without covetousness. But you know, the Bible says, be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know what that tells us is that actually there's nothing else more to desire if we truly get a sense of this presence of God in our lives. That, that you know, let, let, uh, The Bible tells us don't be covetous. He says, uh, be content instead. Why? For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And Jesus' presence in our lives, that's the thing that satisfies. You know, so many things we, we clamor for in our world today. We desire this and we desire that. And, and in and it of itself probably isn't wrong. But, but if we're looking for that to satisfy, then we've missed the presence of Christ in our lives. And perhaps there's a quenching of the Spirit of God. Perhaps that fellowship with the Father isn't where it needs to be. And one of the things that we've got to guard against is covetousness during this season. Now, we can quickly sing all about the season, but we must always remember that He came to be with us, and, and, and actually, that's enough. That satisfies. You know, uh, there's times where you come home, and, and maybe you've been away all week, you've had to go somewhere, and, you know, you just want to get home. You're excited to get home and you get home, you get through those doors and the kids come running and it's almost a scene in in a movie, you know, they they all come, dad, but then it's followed up with dad, what did you bring us, (laughs) right? Where's our, and it's always like, you know, uh, I'm here. (laughs) So always, whenever I go somewhere, I'm always going, you know, my first, the first question I often field is, oh, hi, how are you? And then the next thing is, where's Azariah? It's like, I'm here too, you know. You know we're always looking for my wife. But and it's like, isn't your presence enough? And it ought to be. And yet so many times we, we look at, we want the presence of God, we think. And when we, we have the presence of God, we look for other things. We want something else. Lord, how about you do this for me? How about you do that for me? And how about this problem? And how about this? Hey, Listen. The, the, the Bible tells us, you know, it says that, that let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hey, what a great promise, by the way. He'll always be with us. And that there's that satisfaction that we ought to have just by being in the presence of Christ. You know, the rest actually is just extra. And even like Elizabeth, she decided to sing this song of blessing to the Lord. When was the last time you just sung out in thanksgiving for who He is? Not all that He has done for you. You know, we, we often, when we listen to songs, it's so often about what God has done. How about just God Himself? You know, I love that great hymn, Our Great Saviour. I, I, I love that, uh, that song, uh, about just, uh, just being uh, amazed at his presence. Jesus of Nazarene. And I, I love those songs who just about our Savior. It's not just about all that he does for us. and It's about just him. And so it's a song of benediction. Uh, do we have a song of blessing on our heart? Do we go about and we understand how blessed we are in that way? And, and yet we see then a response. We see Mary now. In verse 46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He had showed strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. And so we see there that secondly, that the, the now the songstress is not Elizabeth, it's it's Mary. And Mary now is is one that is... Is exclaiming uh, great, uh, great, uh, now not just benediction, it was one of great adoration. An adoration of of all that Jesus is going to do in her life. And, you know, we don't often think about the fact that we can sing because of God's favor upon us. You know, here she's speaking about all of the favor. And and what favor is, it's an act of kindness beyond what is due. You know, all of us here, We can think about all of our different circumstances. We can talk about talk about how the things that we think we deserve. And yet, when you think about it, all of it is just just his mercy. It's his mercy. It's it's favor upon us, and God always gives us more than what we deserve. Yet we don't see ourselves as favored. And and you know, we do that because we're often comparing. We're just comparing. We look at someone else across the aisle and we think, well, how come they seem to be more favored than me? And yet what Mary was understanding was this, this happening in her life was just favor. And all of us here, we all deal with different circumstances. We all deal with different, uh, different unexpected circumstances in our lives. There's times where we look and we go, what happened? And yet in Mary's life, all of her plans have gotten really out of whack all of those things that she thought was going to happen was now this i mean unexpectedly she's expecting and 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 yet she saw that as favor in her life we understand that that the the, the holy spirit working in her life helped her to understand that this was the the very child jesus and 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 yet what she understood was in all of that despite her unplanned circumstances despite Those things that were now out of her control, she understood that she was favoured. And what she did, she exclaimed a song of adoration. And Mary could have seen it a different way, but she saw it this way. She she knew that God had given her favour despite the the changed circumstances in her life. And how how can we? How do we we know that we have favour? We note here a couple of things. Look at verse 48 notice here, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid and notice the first thing is this we we can we can sing a song of adoration we can recognize that we are favored because firstly his regard for the lowly you know none of us here actually can ever say when you think about it that we deserve god's favor upon our lives none of us here can truly say look look you know look how good i am you know She understood and even though we understand as well scripturally that we see God, Mary's faithfulness, we see that she was someone who had high character and all of that. And yet what we do find is that she saw herself lowly. And listen, he has a great regard for the lowly. For he hath regarded the low estate. You know, what she didn't, she didn't appeal with, she didn't appeal with her faithfulness. She didn't appeal with all of the different uh, different characteristics that she felt God would would be pleased with no no she appealed with the fact that she was lowly she was of low estate and to regard simply means to consider to to show concern and and Mary's song was about the fact that God would even consider her do you find yourself maybe in a lowly place maybe you you you've gone through a bit of a, a battle this year maybe there's been some hard knocks and Maybe this is the lowest you've ever felt. Hell, listen, that's good news, because that's 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 who God's most concerned about, is the lowly. You know what God often does is is allow circumstances in our lives to humble us. Why? Because God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And if we would just be lowly, you know, if we would we wouldn't hold ourselves at such high esteem if we would recognize that all of what God has given us is just his favor upon us, and and even in this trying circumstance, God's favor is actually with us. And he regarded those who were lowly. Secondly, we see that his doing is mighty. Look at verse 49. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Notice verse 49. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. You know, He's doing that is mighty. And, and you know, one of the things that, again, we can sometimes do is we, we're easily forgetful. We're so focused on what's now and what we're going through right now. We can neglect to take stock, perhaps, of all that God has done. And let's be reminded this morning that our God is a mighty doer. That actually there's great and mighty things which we know not that actually He is is mighty in works and and even in the circumstance that you're in right now, He can be mighty. But so many times, instead of taking His might, we use our own strength. And we go and in our strength try to confront the problem. And we, in our own strength, we try to hold up all of the, the different pressures of life and we try to push away from that and yet, He that is mighty has done to me. And it's again going back to that place of lowliness and and weakness where God's strength can truly be magnified. And even though this wasn't in her plan, her song indicated a heart of trust in God's mighty hand of doing. And what He does in our lives, He does so in holiness. You know, in in His holiness, that, that idea of holy means that he's pure and he's right and that there's no admixture, there's nothing that is corrupt in him. And so whatever he does in our lives, he does so with purity. And we might not always understand that, we might not always comprehend all of his doing in our lives, but how he declares it is his holy name. And so we see that we're favored because his doing is mighty, but then he also because his mercy is to those who fear him. Notice verse 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. You know, you, you, do you fear God? You know, that concept in the Bible of fearing God is, is something that runs through the Scriptures. We know that the, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And, and sometimes we, we underplay really what the fear of God is. Sometimes we just define it as some sort of reverential awe, and I think that is it. But it's more than that. What, what, actually, what the fear of God is, when you think about and you study it through Scripture, is having a right estimation of who God is. It's really understanding who He is. Understanding all of His nature, His character, and, and all of that He's revealed in His Word. And, and then having a, a true fear in, his, in your heart. Why? Because He is so much more than us. And He's saying there that, that He gives mercy to those who fear Him. If we understand who God is, then we understand that our problems are never too big for God. If we understand who God truly is, then all of the fears that can sometimes creep into our hearts and can sometimes consume us and can sometimes be the, the thing that directs us away from the path that we're supposed to take for the Lord and, and maybe even put some fear in our hearts to enough to derail the, the faith life that we're supposed to have, he's saying, if, if you know who I am, then all those fears are abated. See, the Bible tells us that God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we're supposed to approach life with a greater fear of God rather than a fearfulness for the things of life itself. And another reason we sing of his favor is just the fact that he's merciful to those who fear him. Do you fear God? Or have we become too big in our minds? Have the circumstances overtaken our fear of God? When we fear God, we recognize who he is and we are more thankful for his mercy. You know what that is? That's favor in our lives. But then notice in verses 51 to uh, 51, he says, He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He, he brings again to the fact that He puts down the mighty from their seats. Again, He exalts them of low degree. Notice verse 53. Hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He hath sent empty away. Again, that idea that when we're lowly, He is able to regard us. But then we note, He hath helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, and He spake to our fathers Abraham and to see His seed forever. Notice that He is a helper. Notice that he is a strengthener and we, nextly we see that his strength, he has strength to fulfill his promises. You know, again, all of this to, to these these references in verses 54 to 55 is in reference to his promises. And yet here he is, he's got the strength to make that be. And you know, it's not that, that, that world circumstances somehow line up. The stars don't just align. No, God's in control of that. And those things that come to be, he knows the end from the beginning and he has the strength to fulfill his promises. And part of the favor Mary sang about was the fact that Christ is really a fulfillment of all that God had said about him, all of the prophecies and really, again, all of God's promises. And, and that, that is the news to tell when it comes to, to Christmas. The news to tell is a Savior is born. And I want to tell you this morning. If there's never been a time where, where you've recognized your need for a savior, I want to tell you you have a need for a savior. the, the, the reason why you need a savior is because you can't save yourself. You're in you're in danger. Listen, you're, you're, the Bible tells you that that the wages of sin is death. You know that 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 isn't just physical death. It's a eternal separation. That wage is something that you've earned because of your sinfulness and the Bible tells us there's none that doeth good. No, not one. So, each and every one of us here, we, we have to be confronted with our sinfulness. But that sinfulness has a punishment. And that punishment is an eternity separated away from God in eternal hellfire. And, and the, the reality is we can't save ourselves from that. No, no amount of good works can save you from that. No amount of religiosity. And yet a Savior did come. And Jesus came to save you. He came to be a sacrifice. He came to be a substitute. He came to shed his blood. And he shed his blood for you and I willingly. All so that we, if we would trust him, the Bible tells us you shall be saved. And this morning, maybe this Christmas Eve, you, you would recognize that, that Christmas isn't just Christmas. It's when Christ came to save you. And I hope that would be. I hope you don't walk away without walking away with this gift, the gift of eternal life. And it is a gift. It's free. The Bible tells us, for by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not by your doing. God's already done it. It's Jesus Christ already finished it. And it's done. And he's he's got a strength to fulfill that promise and and we have that promise to, to sing about today. Is that in your heart? Is that something of adoration as you think about God's favor? You adore him for all of the, do you praise him for all of the, 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 great, the greatness of his strength, the greatness of his favor on your life? And Mary certainly did. And then lastly, as we think about this Christmas story, we see Zacharias in verse 67. So pick it up there with me, verse 67. So Zacharias was the father of John the Baptist. And now here he's exclaiming something after being silenced by God, doubting him. And so for a period he was silenced, but now his tongue was loosened. And notice verse 67, his father Zacharias, and notice again, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophet, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham. Then he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in his spirit and was in the deserts, Till the day of his showing unto Israel. And so we see uh, again the, the, the birth of John the Baptist and all of the different roles that he was uh, this this particular role he was going to play, he was going to be the prophet of the highest, he was going to be the forerunner of Christ, but before that we see this exclamation of blessing again, this song again, and this was a song of proclamation. This was a, a proclamation, the singer is none other than Zechariah this, this, this song came as a joy for the birth of John, this song was one of prophecy, one, one of, of foretelling, but more in the sense of declaring truth. And many times, you know, when you think about the, the songs that we are often familiar with, many times they can be songs about personal experiences. In fact, that's probably the, the trend of most modern day songs is they're just they're just about experiences. And you know sometimes experiences can become opinions of truth rather than truth itself. and And the I think the richest songs that we we ought to be familiar with are songs of great doctrine, of just great truth, songs of the truths of of God's word. That's why it, it, ought, it ought to be something that we, uh, we ought to desire is just to sing the great Psalms. You know, the, that, the biggest, the, the largest book in the Bible is actually a song book, isn't it? It's a, the book of Psalms. And so often we, we, we neglect to have that as part of our devotional life, uh, part of our, even our song service, and, and yet God's given us a song book and we just need to sing it and, and, and write music to it And what Zechariah is singing, he sings the truths of God's Word. And you know, there's often a correlation in the Bible between God's Word and and then songs. In Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The Bible says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. But you know how it starts, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that's my, that's my bone to pick with us brethren as independent Baptists. We often so declare that we've got the word of God and we would thump pulpits like this all over the, this globe and, and yet how many write songs? <laughs> how many produce? And, and I've challenged our, our music team. I said, you know, the, the, the final frontier for any music ministry is when we start to write our own songs. But you know what that takes? it takes a dwelling in the Word of God richly. You know, that, that, that again sometimes tells me that, that just because just we say we have the Word of God and we say we believe in the Word of God doesn't mean we're dwelling in it richly. And there's no fullness of that. And the depth of our knowledge of truth often comes out in song. And, and so how do we, how do we proclaim Firstly, we see that we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And by the way, let me tell you this. When you were saved, the Spirit of God indwelt in you. And He made an abode in your heart. And He made an abode, and the power of the Holy Ghost is on you. And listen, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Ephesians chapter 5, being filled with the Spirit. And we're supposed to uh, uh, ensure that that, that there's no constraining of the Holy Ghost in our lives and we're to be filled with the Holy Ghost and being filled with that. The Bible tells us that the, 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 the Holy Ghost is going to be the Spirit that guides us unto all truth. And so He takes the sword of what? The Spirit, and He takes it in our lives and He uses it as a mighty weapon. And so many times we're not connected really with this living book. Because we've, we've, we've diminished the living God in our hearts. And here, Zechariah, just like the others being filled with the Holy Ghost, exclaimed, you know, in that dispensation, the Holy Ghost came and went. In our dispensation, he indwells us permanently. We're sealed until the day of promise. And so don't tell me, don't tell me that you have no idea of that. Hey, listen, if you're saved, you ought to know the presence of the Holy Ghost in your life. And, and, and we see there that even the Spirit of truth, the Bible says in John 14, 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Yet ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. In John 16:13, howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. That shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And so if you're struggling, actually, with your Bible reading of making sense of it, then you better check how, how much liberty you're giving the Holy Ghost in your life. Because he's actually your teacher. He's actually the one that's meant to illuminate your heart and illuminate your, your mind and illuminate your thinking as you're in the pages of the living Word of God, the living God himself. Dwelling in your heart teaches you. And so many times we diminish that through our sinfulness, through our lack of fellowship, through, through our, our lack of even recognizing we can be sometimes so hardened and so calloused to his presence. We can be a little bit like Samson of old who wist not. And, you know, the Spirit of God won't depart from you but he didn't even feel it. And so many are going through life and, and there's not that filling of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and yet it's paired with that faithfulness to God's Word. It was a recognition of what God had said in His Word. That's what he was rehearsing. And I, that's, that to me is a litmus test for good songs. It's not its tune, it's It's doctrine. We have a lot of good hymns that aren't doctrinally right. (laughs) And we better just have an understanding of God's word. We ought to be people who understand what a song says. And if it matches up with scripture, then so be it. And in a church, you know, the function of music isn't to fill in the, the schedule so that it's not just preaching. It's not just to prepare the heart. It does that. But it's supposed to edify, which is the the Bible term for teaching. It's meant to teach us. That's why we're supposed to pay attention when we sing. That's why we're supposed to be involved when we sing. Hey, I like that. It's a wooden pulpit. (laughs) Listen. So many times you you watch and and you, you see people checking out Listen, you're missing teaching time. And you're not interested. It's not your style. Listen, that doesn't matter, does it? Teach, is what I'm saying. And if it teaches, then you ought to pay attention. And be faithful. And that's the litmus test for good songs. That ought to be the thing that dwells in our hearts. We ought to be people who understand. You know, we're in the home. We ought to teach through song. There ought to be choruses that we teach our kids that reinforce truths of God's word. And we ought to just just be in, in the car, be in the place, and we ought to go about. And And by the way, we ought to be lastly, be forthright with the message. You know, sometimes you listen to songs and you just don't know who it's talking about. Is it talking about their boyfriend or Jesus? <laughs> you know, it's just awful. You know, there's no ambiguity when it comes to songs of truth. The Bible tells us if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? And the point of the song is the message it conveys. It's spirit-filled. It's, it's, it's prophecy-driven. Songs that are certain. Songs that, that don't leave you clueless to its meaning. And that's the thing that ought to be emanating from our hearts. You know what will happen when you just get filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, you know what's going to happen when you just dwell in the Word of God richly? Those songs are just going to come out. They're just going to mean something. We're, we're not going to just sing and just be empty and think, oh. no, no, we're going to go about it and just, just, you're going to feel it. You know, it was a particular time, and the we had a, a youth camp, and it ended up being my last one over there in Sydney. Didn't know it at the time, but um, it, it started off well enough. It was it was well attended, and seemed to be a, a pretty good spirit of things. And you know, it was it just started off like normally, and and we had our our evening, our first chapel. We always start on a Monday night, and so. That went, went well. I think I preached an opening service and we had a few come to the altar. We had a good time of prayer that evening. But I just sensed that there was something just missing. And, you know, I I went up to one of our young men and I had asked him previously, I said, hey, you know, a couple of our regular guys aren't here this year. Could you look after the the music? And he had said yes beforehand, but I noticed that night that he didn't really, he wasn't really even there. He was sort of running around a little bit. He was in and out of the service. And he was, he had organized some songs that I liked, but, you know, I just didn't, didn't really feel like there were just the right songs for that night. And, but I remember that the next morning we had chapel and I looked on the schedule and he had written himself in and he had written in that he was going to sing a solo. And if you know me and you're part of the music ministry, I'm not a big advocate for solos, when, when you look at biblically what, what music is, it's always done really in a group setting. And solos, in a, in, within a song of where there's a greater group, I agree with, but I wasn't particularly fond of solos, and I'm still not. But that morning, I just thought, oh, well, he hasn't really organized anything, he's, he's going to do that. But he came up, and I could just sense something was different about him. And he sung this song about, um, about just that amazement in God. And, um, and he, he sung that song, I'm amazed, I'm amazed. And he sung that song, and you know what? He hardly could get through it. He blubbered through that. And what it was, he had spent all night praying. He had spent time with God, and he sung this song. And, and he's got a great voice, but he didn't sing with a great voice that morning. He sung with a great spirit. And there was a reality of the truth of that song just emanating from this young man. And before long, there was no 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 dry eye in the in the these were teenagers, you know, who sometimes are too cool to sing, by the way. And, and here he was just, just singing this song. And and what I had found was actually he was in and out because he had he had been fasting leading up to he had been praying, and he was. Seeing, and from that, I just that point onward, the camp flipped and changed. Man, the spirit of God was just evident. There were kids getting right with each other. There were there were kids begging. Can they call mum and dad because they just need to apologize? And and there were there was just this this free and and there was liberty in the in the place. Why? Because there was there was a young man who sung a great truth filled with the Holy Ghost. And listen, you don't have to be the greatest singer in the world. You just have to have the presence of God in your life. And there's some songs to sing. And there's some truth to share. And there's an edifying that happens in a church. And you know, we we sing Christmas songs. We sing Christmas carols. And I love them, but do we sing it with that reality? Do we have songs of benediction that come out of our hearts? Do we have songs of of adoration that just flow out of a heart that just realizes God's favor? And do we sing songs of proclamation that leave us to no doubt who we worship and who it is that we lift up? And this Christmas, may we lift up Jesus because Jesus is the substance of this vessel and he's the substance of your vessel and may we just walk with the Lord like we should this Christmas and may the songs come and may they come up to heaven and be pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you, we thank you. We thank you for this time and in your word and Thank you that Lord, even through it, you record, Lord, the songs through the, that Christmas season, and and Father, no doubt we have found ourselves humming along to familiar tunes, but perhaps with an emptiness, and perhaps even with a callousness. I Pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord, not to. Lord, not to go along and just be be empty in our praise and and our worship and our adoration to you may we be filled like these ones Lord with the Holy Ghost knowing the great truths of the life that we live for you I pray that Lord we would just get back into a a richness Lord in your word may we just get back to a, a passionate walking in the spirit like we should and may we get back to, Lord, a real song, a new song in our hearts. I pray that you'd help us. We're going to have a song of invitation. And-